Welcome to the fifth episode of Small Talk with Big Chungus. Today, we're dissecting a very important topic, a topic with growing prominence in India day by day, that regarding the rights and representation of the LGBT community in India. And today, um, I'm lucky enough to have two members of the LGBT community with me to speak about this. So say hello to Lord Rivera. Hi, everybody. And Hi. Loki Plaza. Hi, everyone. I'm Loki Plaza. <laughs> yeah, we're really reining in on the pop culture references today. All right. So for my, for my first question to both of you, first of all, just give me a brief about what does it mean um, to you today to be a part of the LGBT community in India? Um, what are the relationships like with your, um, with your parents and your family uh, regarding your sexual and gender identity? What is it? What is the ease uh, of pursuing um, an LGBT relationship in India today? Um, are you open about your sexual and gender identities? Um, have you faced stigma and what kind? You know, just that kind of thing. Okay, so first of all, I identify as a pansexual non-binary person. So, and my pronouns are she they. Uh, about you know my relationship. Uh, with my parents regarding this whole gender and sexuality thing, I haven't come out to them and nor do I intend on doing so because it's a bit regressive back here and I wouldn't want to do anything to kind of put myself into trouble or put myself in harm's way. Otherwise, uh, with friends and everyone, I am very open about it. I kind of try and indulge my straight friends into gay culture and like queer culture and stuff, you know, get them educated on the references that I make on the daily. Um, as far as it, uh, as far as dating is concerned, um, I haven't had much luck with dating in general, though I'm, I can't speak on that. But from what I've heard, it is pretty hard because, you know, there are a lot of closeted queers and, you know, um, no one wants to come out yet and it's just a lot of do do I like do I like them or do I not like them or do I like them romantically or do I like them platonically it's just a lot of confusion because a lot of the ideas of uh, romance and sex that we have is very is very uh, centered around uh, cis is centered around cis heteronormative uh, normativity so yeah Honestly, I feel like Lord Rivera has pretty much mirrored my entire experience. Uh, I go by both bisexual and pansexual labels, but um, I haven't come out to my parents, although they do see me as the sort of really invested ally. And, um, you know, uh, you know, they're pretty open and okay to discuss about it with me and uh, pretty supportive of the community in general, but I'm I still have my doubts as to how they would perceive me. So still in the closet for now. You know, it's kind of difficult uh to get into the whole like Lord Rivera said about the whole differentiation between platonic and romantic attraction. Because A, I grew up in I uh spent fourteen years in an all girls school. So uh my lines for those differences were pretty blurry already. And um, as far as dating goes, um, not I, I have not given it a shot at all. Uh, and it's pretty difficult because, you know, there's a very limited social circle and there's a lot of pressure to 
um, conform to the kind of cis heteronormative ideas that are present in the kind in the at least in the society where I belong. So it's it's pretty it's a very uh, limiting atmosphere. But I will say that being on the internet has provided a very substantial amount of exposure. And in fact, it was there that I started to come to terms with my um, gender and sexuality. And, um, you know, I, for all official purposes, I'm uh, cisgender, but I, you know, I'm still dabbling with the idea, still questioning myself more thoroughly to you know, get in touch with who I really am. So yeah, mm. that's that's pretty much about it. Uh, so when did both start questioning your gender and sexual identity? If I may ask, like if you don't want to answer, that's completely fine too. But I mean, since you brought that up, I was uh, I was ten, uh, <laughs> I was ten, and um, there was this senior in school, and you know, uh, she 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 was two years older than me, and I really wanted to be friends with her. And, you know, at some point in becoming friends with her, um, I kind of realized that I sort of had, like, I I'd started, like, you know, having feelings towards her that I would normally associate having with uh, my crushes on boys or, or, you know, the kind of attraction you feel towards fictional characters you really like. And, uh, you know, uh, when you're in an all-girl school, a Catholic school uh, specifically, words like gay, lesbian tend to be thrown around as insults. So that sort of set an internalized um, homophobia within me and <laughs> I refused to acknowledge it for the next um, five, four or five years. Yeah, but then I was in grade nine and, you know, I sort of became more exposed to the internet and I started, you know, breaking down that homophobia bit by bit and you know started convincing myself that whoever I was and whatever I felt was pretty valid and I started becoming more open in my experiences and my acceptance towards my own self as well as the community in general. Hmm. Uh, Lord Rivera, what about you? I think I've always known that I didn't fit in, you know, a gender box or like the um heterosexual uh standards that were set out in like the media like movies and stuff that we grew up watching um i always knew about it right so like in like second third fourth grade i would we would like play around right and i also went to an all-girls school specifically catholic school and i completely resonate with what Loki Plaza just said because um I kind of wow, had like, that, a similar experience. That's a coincidence <laughs> yeah. I did not anticipate. Um but, yeah, go on. So yeah, I did have like little crushes like growing up, like on uh, on girls and stuff. And um in eighth grade I was on the internet. also by then I f- found out I found out about Wattpad, a treasure trove of just gay queer stories just Full fill, and it's just okay. Anyways, um, that's a that's a topic of discussion for another time. But I found I had found this treasure trove of experiences on the internet, and by eighth grade, I was just like, you know what? Let's just let's just dabble into it. Let's just see what's up. So I 
figured out that I was bisexual by then. So I was like, okay, fun. And then I came out to my friends and they were pretty supportive. Well, three friends and they were really supportive of it. I didn't come out to the rest of the class, but yeah. And mm. so that happened in eighth grade. And then in 12th grade, I was, I, you know, started uh, developing this, um, developing romantic feelings for one of my friends who, um, identified as, uh, gender non-conforming. And that kind of confused me because, um, in my mind, bisexuality meant, um, man or, and woman. Uh, so it didn't mean what I, what bisexuality means to me today, which is more than, um, two genders, uh, attraction towards more than two genders. So, um, so I was like, what, what's happening? <laughs> uh, why am I feeling attracted to this person? So then I kind of, you know, Google Mata. Um, I Googled it and turns out there's something called pansexuality as well, which is, um, an encompassing term for like all genders. So, um, and, uh, one of my favorite bands at the time, Panic at the Disco, their lead singer, Brandon Yuri, came out as pansexual as well. And I kind of like, I was just like, oh my God, I found my gig. Like, this is what I, uh, this is what I am. Cause even with bi- the identity, bisexual, I wasn't that con- comfortable. So when pansexual, pans- pansexuality came around, I was just, um, over the moon because I finally found like a community of people that I resonated with or had similar experiences with. So yeah, so that's when I came out as pansexual and I came out as non-binary first day of college. Um, after having intense discussions about gender norms and gender roles and um, what it is to not not feel like you fit in either of the boxes. So yeah, that's like my summarized version of my journey through to this point. So yeah. Yeah, yeah honestly, Bikshangas, if I may add, um, I feel like, uh, you know, listening to Lord Rivera, I feel like my entire experience of, you know, first thinking that I was cisgender and straight and then realizing that, hey, maybe I'm not as straight as I thought and then dabbling with bisexuality and then eventually coming to terms with the fact that I was also attracted to, um, you know, gender non-conforming people. It was quite eye-opening. And might I also add, Panic at the Disco and Brendan Yuri have been the queer awakenings for many, many of my friends online. So um, props to them for that. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I feel like it's a very finding artists and, you know, finding creators who, uh, who you know, fit in the label or the box or, you know, outside of it, what you've been looking for. It, 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 for people of the LGBTQ community, it, it's a source of comfort that goes beyond the art because it eventually becomes about a place. It becomes about a place of belonging and, you know, finding what truly matters to you and making it your own and, you know, not having people... Um, or having any sort of questions for your own self and just, you know, being satisfied yeah. and content with who you are absolutely down to your core. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a community within a community. And I think um, growing up, 
most of like most of the queer kids i don't think we've felt like we belonged in the group friend groups that we were part of um yeah. i personally didn't feel feel like i was part of uh the group that i grew up with um yeah we're good friends but i didn't feel like i connected with them on the level that i've connected with other queer people that i've met recently um i even have like a mother from the university that i'm studying at uh, despite meeting them for like um like two three months back and it's just like that instant connection you make with someone within the community because you finally find someone that you belong with even um with girl in red the moment oh, i found yes. out that she's lesbian and norwegian okay so i have like this thing for um uh, norwegian like music and uh, shows and stuff um i really love the language anyways so but the moment i found out about her being norwegian and lesbian i was just mind blown and i kind of found um not mind blown but i i was just excited because i found another community that i could be a part of and that i could feel welcomed in and a part of so it is important and it is kind of vital and for all of us to have like communities that you can be part of even for cis het people right you know they have they have uh, cis het cis het people have so much of um they have so much of art and in you know content and and media to their name and things that they can claim as their own and whenever we try to um you know express interest within it there's this sort of line that's there that's not um established but it just sort of exists and there is a level of gatekeeping that comes along with it which isn't fair you know because as um i wouldn't say minority but i would say that as a community which has been facing marginalization and oppression for so long it's essential that we find something for ourselves something that we don't have to share and if we do have to share it's it's not out of a place of fear it's out of a place of acceptance so it's very very important that we have artists and it's i mean that's pretty much why we advocate for representation so thoroughly exactly yeah yeah media representation plays a huge role huge huge role and highlighting struggles of marginalized communities is important but also making like normal rom-com movies on with like yeah. um like like a, a like a lesbian couple or like a um polyamorous uh couple i mean sorry polyamorous uh relationship like normalize it i mean the only way you can normalize the uh you know uh the queer community um and it's um and our experiences is by showing it and not only the the negatives like the struggles and the hardship that uh, we faced or our community has faced um, over the years but also the positive the way we see love the way we experience yeah. you know feelings and friendship and um the way we experience our self identification and how we take pride in it you know i don't think such hate people will ever understand amount of self identification we we go through on the daily basis you know because they already uh, have their identity yeah if like you know it, if you're questioning you're probably not cis head just saying <laughs> yeah if, if, if you take one of those buzzfeed am i gay quizzes just know that that is a very very significant indicator that 
you probably are. And if not, you're at least questioning. Yeah. <laughs> and you, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's very, uh, another thing that I'd like to bring up is that uh, we, not every person in the queer community has a tragic backstory. Like, it's it. so important to address the fact that being queer is not an inherently negative experience. It's something that is so, so beautiful, something that is so very welcoming. Because not only do you have a community, a whole world that supports you, but, you know, finding love and, and familial support and having that kind of upbringing raises you to have a mindset that makes you so, so accepting of others. That is an important part of queer culture as well. Whether or not it is available to everyone is a separate issue, but it is there and it exists and it should be acknowledged because half the time uh, queer people are villainized or are shown to have some tragic backstory is because people like to believe that being queer is an inherently negative experience and that's one thing that really, really needs to be you know, removed from the media altogether. You know, on this okay. note, um, we both of you spoke about how influential and important uh, the role of the internet and pop culture was in your um, discovery of your identity. So do you think that that internet penetration into a developing country like India will naturally increase awareness and support for the uh, LGBT community? Or do you think necessary, like groundwork on top of that is necessary, right? Like, well, offline um, overtness about gender and sexual identity. How important is that? Yeah. um, I think both are important. I mean, it also depends on the amount of access you have internet is not easily accessible to like everybody in in the country at least and i think having like a groundwork as well destigmatizing along with the internet discourses that happens will will um take the movement like 10 steps forward you know instead of going two steps forward one step back and then taking another two steps forward and one step back destigmatizing on the ground level and then you know introducing correct information about um you know the community you know sex gender study gender sexuality everything and and not just like politicized things because a lot of the materials that we study is highly politicized it just depends on you know a lot of factors so just introducing something that for, uh, yeah, introducing just destigmatizing it will also make the internet a safer place, a much more safer place for queer people because already like, queer people get like um, attacked left, right, and center on the internet. Even though we've found out a lot about ourselves and like a lot of people on the internet, like you know who are who who we uh, share experiences with or who we connect with. Yeah, what I was referencing was like I mean. If you look back at Indian history over the last two centuries or so, we've defeated a lot of social evils, right? Like relatively recently, whether that be, you know, um, everything from sati to how uh, widows are seen in mainstream culture to caste. Um, And I feel like groundwork has become extremely influential today and remains so right now, although um, it is not given its 
um, due importance by a lot of us who spend all day on Twitter, right? Not that I'm discrediting that. It's just, you know, I feel like groundwork is more necessary than we often think about today. And I mean, a large part of that, in my opinion, does involve with one coming out openly um, disregarding what other people think, right? Including their family or parents, which I realize is not completely practical to go about it that way because so many people will not be comfortable rightfully. So that is quite a conundrum in my opinion. Honestly, uh, you know, I agree with the, I agree with you definitely. Here's another thing, right? With India, the situation is that, like you said, most of us spend a lot of time in Twitter and, you know, what is popularly called as armchair activism that we tend to, you know, just sit and opine instead of being out there and, and, you know, really trying to put our foot down and, you know, telling people that this is who we are, this is, you know, don't invalidate our authenticity. Like that's important. But at the same time, we are living in a country that is so backward in certain aspects. Like just recently, I had come across this article and, you know, I was reading about the, uh, I was reading about this one 2016 bill wherein Sushma Swaraj had very clearly stated that, you know, we are not supportive of homosexuality and, um, you know, we're not supportive of homosexual relations or live-in relationships because it's against our ethos. So if you have leaders, you know, people in that sort of, you know, you have people in power invalidating the identity of so many, so many people, so many citizens of the population, you know, it kind of really is a discouraging thing. Like, I, I felt terrible reading that because, you know, you're supposed to, coming from another woman, the the devaluation of identity is something that strikes really hard because mm. things are already difficult. Things are already yeah. difficult. Groundwork needs to be done, you know. Um, now, I'm not saying that, you know, we can expect to have the kind of, uh, you know, the kind of activism that you popularly see in the US, you know, with the with the grandeur of pride parades and, you know, the bring and, you know, reminiscing of the Stonewall riots and Marsha B. Johnson and a ton of other queer icons. Like, you know, has such massive respect for them and they're such sources of inspiration. But at the same time, you have to realize you're living in a country that is exploited, that has still to come to terms with the fact that you know <laughs> it is going wrong and when you have such humongous ignorance available it's it's quite difficult to really be out there in the streets and fight for change especially if it puts your entire you know if it puts your life at risk mm. so i mean groundwork is important but it's really difficult and i guess the best we can do which we really are taking over uh, very very beautifully so is to sit at home and you know be in a safe space unless we're in a position to actually make change i yeah. agree i agree with a lot of what you said especially about like armchair activism how people like describe it so frequently today right i mean on one side you'll have people on um people online just spreading uh inf- information and awareness and whatnot and on the other you'll also have other people you know online saying oh boohoo armchair activism you don't do anything but yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's sort of counterintuitive and it's also funny that you know people who discredit uh online activism or you know on the internet cannot really see what they're doing <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah yeah i i completely agree with you but yeah um lord rivera were you saying something um no, yeah i just wanted to say something like i completely get 
the sort of discomfort that comes from um, wanting to do something like on the groundwork uh, ground uh, ground level because um the of the threat that it, that it um puts on one's life but i think reading the queer manifesto and reading what happened during the stonewall riots um how it all transpired and all that stuff it really puts into perspective how important groundwork is i mean i get that you know the activism that happens on the internet um it's good i'm not i'm not saying i'm not discrediting it i'm it's it's honestly amazing but it is only reaching a certain section of people and i think in all the movements that have are happening um the feminist movement the queer movement the anti caste movement all of that should be intersectional and um should like work hand in hand you know and if you're yeah. if if it's if 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 the activism that we're doing on the internet is only reaching one part of the society what about the rest of the society there's another bridge that we're going to have um what about the people in the village i mean in in no, the rural areas right on, so, honestly um yeah lord rivera i i absolutely agree with your thing and that's kind of the point i was trying to make that you know it's it's difficult but it has to be done and be done, the yeah. only reason it it is not being done is because there is you know there there's this sort of blanketed uh, there's there's this sort of blanket that's been put over the eyes of the country and you know as much as we on our parts try to keep you know putting away that ignorance that ignorance and and you know trying to put our activism out there and and you know even it, because at some point it becomes less about providing change to everybody and more about being able to provide change to whoever we can and hope that they spread it and yeah. this is kind of what is happening in india when it should be the latter when it should be the former yeah. so as much as i agree and i completely completely you know part of the reason why i tend to involve myself in spreading awareness online is because i have i i i put this level of trust in people that they at their level can probably do something you know that is beneficial to the community mm-hmm. without having to endanger themselves if it comes down to it i would gladly gladly go down fighting because this is like we need change and i guess there's really nothing coming to save us so hmm uh is your gender or sexual identity your primary identity like apart from like people here you know their primary identity is often based on their language or nationality or the region they come from or religion or whatever right so is your primary identity related to your gender or sex and number one does that come from um the fact that it's not mainstream right like i mean uh, cis het people do not consider being cis het their primary identity right and uh, number two even if it is coming from that place do you think that is ideal or do you would you i mean would it be like preferable if that wasn't you know primary identity for me personally i okay so i mentioned my pronouns as a as like a primary thing because i think it is important to start like somewhere like it's a, it's a st- small step to um you know bringing out this normalcy on you know pronouns and using pronouns and uh, respecting pronouns um although it's like the bottom of the barrel of uh, of someone's non binary identity personally for me for others it may be more but yeah um anyways so i 
don't on the first go say ki oh yeah um this is my gender and sexual identity it isn't my primary identity i don't think um because it's not something that i go around introducing with because again it's like a threat to my safety uh cuz i don't know who i'm going to come across um i don't know if they're going to threaten me i don't know if um, if my life's at risk with them so until until and unless i'm comfortable with them um i'm not going to talk about any of those identities um the gender and sexual identity to them but what um, what about like on a personal level like to you is that your primary level, oh no i mean see that's the thing at a personal level like if i'm with a friend of mine it's not going to be an identity i mean we all i mean yeah she's straight my my friend's straight i'm not um but it's there in the back of the head but we don't indulge in that all the time um we don't so how how often are you going to identify yourself as someone that's not straight or someone that's not cis to your friend on a personal level because mm-hmm. you're i mean yeah so that one thing and the second thing is it how important it is to queer people it is very important to queer people the moment i think as cis as as allies to the community straight straight people should cis head people should um identify themselves as cis head so that it so that it it it, it comes down to some uh, it comes down to a, a normal like plane um where you're you're introducing each other as you oh um i'm cis head um i'm non binary i'm i'm trans mask or i'm trans femme and all that stuff hmm. um you know in my experience uh my the whole soul searching and you know finding your own identity part that usually comes you know when you as a student in school it sort of overlapped with me finding uh, what i was passionate about which is writing and simultaneously figuring out my sexuality and you know delving into both of the, those things at once so on a more on a personal level i don't think that my sexuality and my gender preferences make up like a main part of who i am they play a significant role but um they definitely don't play a huge role and you know they don't play a role where i would just like or the way I said like I won't go around introducing myself and putting out my sexuality and gender on the first go because it it you know it it there is always a chance that it might put my life at risk and I won't want to take chances also I've been closeted pretty much my whole life um apart from a few friends and most of my uh, friends on the internet so with them with with that particular social group that i'm out to it sort of you know you make jokes about being gay and you just have that kind of camaraderie going with them because you know what they understand they understand the queer experience as well as you do so that is that sort of forms the baseline and the commonality of experiences so that's always kind of there but mm-hmm. with people i'm not out to you know social groups i have to be more uh, sober with or you know more funny with uh I try to conform myself for that. That's not something I enjoy, but my safety will be my priority and so I don't give my you know I don't give my sexuality and my gender as much of a, uh, you know as much of importance as I should like to. You know people don't tend to people people don't tend to take you know they don't tend to take sexuality seriously as in you know like 
you know, bouncing off of Lord Rivera's point. They, you know, like it's not a quote-unquote real issue, right? Yeah, like it's not like they don't, you know, she said people don't tend to think that, oh, that you know, they don't have to think twice before being open about their heteronormative, you know, their relationships. Like if a cisad boy is introducing me to his girlfriend, he he doesn't have to think twice about whether he's gonna. get charged or you know get those weird looks or potentially be put at risk like it's a, it's a cool thing for him it's something he can show off that that identity becomes something that is so that is so you know something so accepted by society that it's not that not only is it given basic respect it is valued and honored and revered among other things and as a queer person as part of the queer community we just don't tend to get that privilege and we don't even get that basic respect so yeah it's it's a it's an experience which i think would depend on what kind of people you're surrounded with and what uh, you know what preference and how bold are you or how brave you are but ultimately it just matters about it's it matters at all it matters what who are the people you associate with and just who you hang around with that really puts it all into perspective hmm thank you for that i think i mean that also like encapsulates a lot of the things we've been talking about this entire time and i feel like frankly this entire discussion has been very enlightening for me and i'm sure for large um sections of our audience So uh my thanks to both Lord Rivera and Loki Plaza for being here. I hope you both uh enjoyed these this last like I mean better part of the hour. Thank you for inviting us. Um honestly a pleasure and privilege to talk to Loki Plaza and be part of this podcast. So thanks for inviting. Honestly, thank you so much Big Changes. It's been real fun and you know this is something that I've been longing to discuss with people outside of the internet and people who aren't my parents and just be very very open about my whole experience and it was pleasure it was it was a pleasure making Lord Rivera's acquaintance. Mm-hmm. So the the honor was mine truthfully but yes once again thank you to both my co-hosts for being here. This has been the fifth episode of small talk with big chungus and i'll see you next time